1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. And what's really important is that we band together, we speak with one voice. And I'm like, you sure? Because I've got two kids, I don't want to ruin your hunt. You're like, yeah, yeah, just come and home with me. Just take your time. Like I said, it would have killed a normal man, but I'm not normal, but, you know. When you said, why do you want to talk about that? To me, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, there's so many different factors that go into this decision. Enjoy it for what it is. Every moment of it. If, if, if you're only going to shoot one duck. Welcome to the Foul Front Podcast, part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Hey, Foul Front, it's Hannah from Oak Barn Beef. We're giving away a box of steaks, jerky, and more premium beef exclusively for the listeners of the Foulfront. To sign up, head over to foulfront.com and click on the Oak Barn Beef Giveaway tab to enter into this giveaway. Thanks, and we can't wait for you to try our Nebraska-raised and dry-aged premium beef. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the Foulfront Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast. We have the usual crew together today to talk about some of my very favorite things. So I say my, uh, you know, I don't know, Ben, what do you think? I, I feel like I'm kind of the project monger around here. What do you, what do you, what do you say? Uh, yeah, you definitely are always annoying me with pictures of boats and weird things that you're doing on your boats. So I, I'd say that's true. Yes. So that is the subject of the day. We're going to talk about projects we're going to talk a little bit about things that we've been working on in the off season and projects that we've got in mind to get done going into the season and introduce a new segment of the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl podcast that will be reoccurring throughout the season is, um, you know, the tinkerers out there and the gearheads among us um, look to do things. Um, I'm hoping to tackle some of that in the in the upcoming season and post this out on Facebook and whatnot. But you know what, before we get too far into it, let's, uh, let's go around a quick round table. So what's going on with everyone out there. So today we got Ben, Matt and Thomas on So start off with you, Ben, what's going on? How are you? I have a herniated slash torn disc in my neck. I lost my deer permission. I ran out of uh, custom milled log cabin facades for my basement remodel which is a three-week lead time for uh, two 12-foot two boards. So all in all, pretty shitey, but duck season's just around the corner. So not all is bad. Hmm. All right. Matt, what's going on with you, man? 
Oh man, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. I'm just, you know, staring out the window and watching the sun go up and down every day pretty much. Just scratch, you know, scratching days back till duck season. I'm I'm bored out of my mind honestly. It's this is torture. <laughs> There's no sports. Uh, hunting hunting's the only thing I have to look forward to these days. And I would agree with you and except like bow fishing has proven to be like a fairly decent time passer, but yeah, no, it, it, this is definitely the dog days of waiting for the next fun thing to come along. But anyways, Thomas, what's up? Uh, same for me as Matt a little bit, but uh, we've been working on a pond that we're planning on planting millet on this year. So I've been keeping up with that, trying to make sure that uh, our millet's growing and is not getting eaten by anything. I've uh, been recording some YouTube videos in my free time and then really just trying to find things to do. It's been about 100 degrees every day here in Virginia, so not a whole lot of fun to be outside. So uh, looking for some indoor activities to uh, stay out of the heat. Thomas, is that your own like private permission or is that for your school? No, it's uh, it's a private permission, but it's not mine. It's my buddies. So, But yeah, not for school. Man, so Thomas, I'll apologize. I think I brought this 100 degree heat up here with me from Texas the last uh, couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, it's almost like I didn't, I never left. But, anyways, this is um, pretty much me getting settled in from the move, made it up here to Northern Virginia, and really just getting ready to podcast again. I've had to relocate shop projects, but we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But, um, and, and Kelly, it sounds like Kelly's throwing a party. Yeah, I just sent her a message that said it's been pretty loud. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, the the joys of apartment living. So, like this apartment is so much way this this apartment is way better constructed than the one that I was in in Texas. But the downside to that is is like the sound isn't absorbed into the crappy building material and it just bounces off the concrete walls. So, yeah, I'll take that debrief uh, for future episodes. But I I can't complain because she's still bringing drinks to the table. So. And anyway. how are your how are your AA meetings going? Pretty pretty terrible, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you, you don't have a problem if you don't admit it, right? <laughs> All right. Well, moving along down the road here, so let's talk a little bit about the summer projects. You know, first off, like why why would we do an episode about projects? Uh, for one, I'll tell you that to me. Projects are like another part of the hobby. You know, it's it's like we did an episode a couple of weeks back on the flocking. You know, that that's that's a hobby into itself, and that's one of the greatest parts about waterfowl hunting is that there's so many there's so many niches you can get into. There's so many side tracks you can get in the that really kind of expand the the sport beyond just the the seasons that you have in the states that you've got. So, you know, I wanted to use this as an opportunity in these dog days to talk about some of those projects, maybe inspire some of the listeners to take a project on as well, or maybe take a different look at that boat they've got in their yard or the blind that they're looking at and, and really just find another way to get in the outdoors and enjoy your hobby. So, you know, the way this is going to work today, we're going to take the, we're going to go around the table. We're going to break down what one major project is that's we're getting ready for the season. And the format's basically like why, why this project, what it means to you, um, budget, if you've got any materials, tools, what kind of space you need, and then I threw this one in for fun, the spousal approval or significant other, for those of us that don't have a, a spouse, any unique innovations, and then provide any final cost or cost estimate if you guys have one. And 
and, and just kind of go from there. And then I'll open this up too, you know, for the listeners out there, when you get on Facebook, if you haven't joined the file front group already, um, you know, put your projects out there and questions that you have, because like I said, this is a big part of the hobby for me. It really is what keeps me enamored with it throughout the off season. And um, I'm looking to kind of inspire some of that out there and answer some questions for you guys in the audience. But we'll start off with uh, Matt. Matt, what, what kind of projects do you have? Going? Uh, I guess I do have one kind of big project and it's it's more my dad's project, but I'm helping him with it. Um, so Ben knows where we have our private goose pond. We have a pit blind out there. Um, it wasn't such and for $100, if you send me 100 bucks on PayPal, I'll send you the coordinates. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the Falfrook fundraiser just got started. Just send them random coordinates to somewhere. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, Sorry. so yeah, you threw me off track there. But uh, from that pit blind, Ben, you know where all them geese were landing in the field there? Yeah, where your dad went up and sat? Yeah. We're putting a pit blind up there. There's so it's a grass and like there's a grass border and it turns into a bean. This year it'll be a cornfield. We're putting in a pit blind up there. He's making another pit blind, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a, have a different top. It's not, it's, and me having hunted out of, you know, several different types of pit blinds, I'm, I'm coming up with the top design. So I'm not really sure if I'm going to do a sliding lid system. I don't really like that for, you know, being up on a field where it's more of a flat surface, I kind of want something that, uh, like we've, we've got some dome screens my buddy has out here that he uses. It's like, you just throw the lid off and then you shoot them. Those are pretty nice. And then another buddy has kind of like, they're like cages with corn stalks zip tied to them and you can look up and see through those. And then you just slide those off too. So maybe something like that's what I'm thinking, but, uh, we gotta, you know, just kind of mess around and see what we can come up with this weekend. It's, it's not the best for heat retention, but the, the, the style that I liked out of the last couple of years is my buddy. He, he just basically had corn stalks that they'd open up the, a couple holes and then he'd put the corn stalks right there and you could peek out through it and, um, you, you just stood up and shot. There was nothing really in your way, but. Yeah, we, I mean, we've got a couple ideas and I'm not really sure. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's probably going to be a wooden one. It's not going to probably be metal just because we have a lot of scrap lumber laying around now. So we'll, we'll the, the whole pit's going to be wood. That's what I'm thinking. Then we'll put, you know, either some tar around it or some uh, plastic or something, but we'll, we'll see what we come up with. I think this weekend we're starting digging the hole. So that'll be fun in 95 degree heat. Are you using a tractor? We're going to try. It's kind of rocky up there, so we might have to... We're going to try to dig it as much as we can with the tractor and then pull the shovels out. Ooh. How how much... I guess a question for you. How much is there on Pinterest about building like these kind of pit blinds or like those lids and stuff? I, I found Pinterest to be like a great place I, to get... I'll be honest ideas. with you. I have never been on Pinterest all right, that is a place that you might find some inspiration. Then <laughs> you you have a you have a you have a TikTok account, but you don't have a Pinterest account. Yeah, that surprises me. Also, you don't have a wife either, though. That's no. Like, see, I don't hey, have a wife or a girlfriend, check, so that's another off-season. Project check out my Pinterest, my board. Well, you know who told me about Pinterest was the guy that was teaching me how to weld. He was like, "Oh, you got to go on Pinterest to get like ideas for fab projects." 
And then I went on there and I started typing in things like duck boat customization or blinds. And I mean, that place, that, that thing is loaded with inspiration on things like what you're talking about that I never really would have thought of. Right. Cause I always thought about, uh, you know, what, what goes on Pinterest, nothing I'd be interested in, but I was way yeah, that's, off. That's where I was at too. <sighs> so, no, it's, it's cool. I, I'd say check it out, but, um, Dude, what, what, what's, what's, what's a budget on something like this? Like, I mean, how do you factor in Like what kind of expenses go into putting in a pit blind? Um, well, like for our other one, which is all sheet metal and kind of just framed up and stuff. We just had the sheet metal laying around. My dad just literally built it one summer and threw it in the ground. It wasn't even in the summer. I bet he did it in a month and it was probably October is when he did it. And he had it in the ground by after Thanksgiving. So I mean, it, it looks perfect. It looks like one that you would buy too. Yeah, like he he just he just came up with it. Like I didn't even know he was doing it. I come back and he, well, he sent me pictures of him fabbing it up, and then come back and uh, got to see it before he painted it all up. And then like two weeks later, he sent me a picture of him putting it in with the tractor. I was like, dang, <laughs> got to work. So I, I, I honestly I don't know. I mean, it it really depends what you want and like how fancy you want it and. Uh, probably where you're hunting too and what materials you use. There's so much that would go into just, I mean, you there's, there's pit blinds I've been in that have cable hookups and electricity and microwaves and all that good stuff. So, and there's ones that are made out of concrete. Like it, it's literally however much you want to spend, I think. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's something that like, I'm totally unfamiliar with or pit blinds. So, that's that's pretty interesting though. So, when do you think that thing will be finished up, like wrapped up? Do you have like a timeline for it? Or yeah, we want it probably done by Thanksgiving this year because down in that area, the geese. I mean, you might get some local geese. The field hunting ain't really the best until it gets super cold and like all the ponds and stuff freeze up, and they're forced to use rivers and moving water basically. And from there, you know, they'll roost on the moving water, and you'll see just giant flocks of them. And they'll, you know, if the, if it's a good day, they'll come your way, and they're they're not very pressured either. Hmm. All right. Cool, man. Well, that's uh, definitely something interesting that I wouldn't have thought about from a project standpoint. Sounds sounds fun, anyway. I mean, do you have at least a little bit of fun doing this, or is it all just like miserable work in the heat? Oh no, I mean it's it's fun to you know it's fun just doing anything waterfowl related in the off season, at least in my book, you know, it's, it, you're, you're building towards the season. It's a way to kill time and do something actually productive rather than just, you know, I don't, I don't know, sit on my butt. <laughs> That's, you know, you're talking about building a pit blind. What I'm learning about here in Virginia is that people, you know, Thomas and you back me up on this, but people build their fixed blinds right now. And the, you know, the joke on the Facebook groups is there's always people, wanting to ask for hunting to get on the blinds, but nobody's willing to be around for building the blinds. So I have a feeling I'm going to get involved in building some, some deep water blinds and that'll be kind of a new expansion into the hobby for me here. So, but anyways, cool. Well, any other save rounds for the, the pit blind project from the, from the gallery? No, no but Matt, what are you doing with your channel right now with high prairie sportsman? Uh, you know, I'm doing my tips videos, uh, uh that I do those every, every off season, uh, usually about um, every Monday or something. So tips, gear reviews, videos like that. I actually found footage from a hunt. I, I don't know why I never posted it, but I just posted it today actually. Um, so just, just kind of making videos here and there, 
Uh, I, I shoot for one a week and, uh, you know, it, we're ramping up as August gets into, you know, we'll be pumping out a lot more content. And then September 1st, we got dove season and then teal season shortly after, and we'll be back in heaven. I noticed you just had a video where you were talking about uh, dead heads, not laying eggs. I I was yes, that's I and I actually <laughs> there there were some people that weren't uh, weren't fans of that video. I'll say, but that I mean we could do a whole episode on that. Ugh. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm just gonna leave this one alone. You don't want to? <laughs> I've seen those. I've seen those Facebook threads and they are not. Friendly. Oh no, they devolve quickly. Yes. Like it, I, I mean, there, I think there are a few issues in our country right now that will devolve as quickly as the, should you shoot a hen debate on Facebook? <laughs> so, uh, cool. Well, Thomas, what's up with you, man? Projects. What do you have going on? Uh, like I said, the millet, the millet is our main one. Uh, I'd never planted anything before, really never done any habitat management. So I'm learning everything new and it's, uh, added a lot for me to just waterfowl as a sport. I kind of never looked at this food side of things as much as I am now. So I feel like I'm learning a bunch of new stuff that's going to be really helpful for the coming seasons. Hmm. What resources are you using for your information? Mainly state resources, a bunch of different state um, wildlife re- wildlife um, organizations have really good stuff on moist soil, planting food for ducks, whatever it um, may be. So I'm, what I'm really focusing on right now is just being able to identify um, plants and different duck foods that I'll see in Virginia and then also gaining an understanding of how to best maximize the spots that we have control over um, and how to maximize the food resources in those spots. That's yeah, that's pretty fascinating. I mean, like the food piece and and whatnot. And, you know, like, I I guess when you, what, what made you to go with like this, this millet or like, is there, was there any restrictions you found like planning? I know sometimes like there's, you can't put certain, you can't put certain food, like foodstuffs, if you will, in different locations because they may have rules against it for invasive species and stuff like that. Did you run across any of that or was it pretty much like this is good to go? Yeah, I think a lot of this management stuff is really dependent on what you have control over in terms of your duck spot. You know, if you can take water off, you can take if you can irrigate it, you can do a lot more. Um, so this is really just a standard three to four acre old cattle pond. And we basically have the ability to take water off and that's it. We can take water off. We can't put water back on. We have to try to catch rainwater. So we were pretty limited in what we could do. All We knew we could initiate a drawdown and then basically we'd have a short planning period. And that's really what this millet is great for. Um, you can broadcast this is a Japanese millet that we've planted and you can broadcast that onto like um, basically just a mud flat and it'll start growing. It grows really quick too. So um, like, like I said, for us, we don't have much control over our water. So the, We've actually slightly flooded our millet that's only been growing for about a month now. So, and that stays alive while other plants, stuff like corn or whatever it might be, you really don't want to get water on it early. So, uh, we just basically, the millet is really easy to grow. It's not super intensive. So, with it being the first season of us really trying a project like this, we figured we'd go with the easy stuff. 
And of course, like you said, there are issues with invasives like um, hydrilla is a great food source in our flyway, but you are absolutely not allowed to transport that because it's invasive. Um, it's where it is and you're, it's, you're not supposed to move it. So while, you know, you'd love to put hydrilla in a pond to increase the food source, that's not legal. So yeah, you, you have to stay within the laws and, um, you know, not do anything too crazy. Yeah. Hydrilla will crush a pond like overnight almost. Um, yeah. That, that happened to a pond near where when I was a kid growing up. This pond I used to fish in got hydrilla in it somehow. And I mean, it was wicked. But yeah, you're right. Ducks love it because in Texas, the spots that I shot the most ducks over were covered in it. So, yep. <laughs> Ringer pretty- candy. Camp yeah. Cat candy. Uh, what kind of budget were you on for this? So we really didn't set a budget for this one. Uh, I kind of, you know, it's only a three to four acre pond. It wasn't going to be a huge investment. So we were like, you know, we both have basically, we knew we had the resources to cover it. So we were like, it's going to cost what it's going to cost. And we'll just kind of roll with the punches. Um, So we actually initially went out and got a little like three inch, two inch trash pump. And we were going to try and pump the water off this. And I hadn't really done the math. I didn't know how deep it was across. And it's probably about 500,000 gallons in there. And that pump moved about 2000 gallons an hour. So you do the math there. We needed to take about two and a half feet off. It was going to take us at least like a week of um, pumping or at least three or four days. So we rented a pump uh, and then basically got the water down like six inches. And then that exposed an old water control device um, that we were able to initiate our, we were able to basically jerry rig to drain water off of it, even though it wasn't really an operational water control device. And um, yeah, then all, all the only other thing we've had to buy is our millet and a small little hand spreader. So in total, we've spent like under $150 so far. And if we hadn't rented the pump, which we really didn't need it, it would be under $100 for sure. So what what does a pound of millet run? Like, I mean, how much does that stuff go for? So yeah, millet's about about a pound, a, pound, a dollar a pound. So uh, at least where I'm at, we got a 50 pound bag for 50 bucks. And then you're, you're, when you're broadcasting it, like we were basically literally just pulling it out of the bag with my hand and throwing it onto a mud flat, you want to see that at about 15 to 20 pounds per acre. So we had probably about an acre of exposed mud. So we really only planted um, about 20 pounds or 25 pounds with our first go round. And then we has, we have some other areas that we're going to try and plant later in the season for more of a late season food source. Cause this millet only takes 90 days to fully head out. So if you're planting it in early June, like we did, it's going to be headed out by early September and the birds are probably going to be getting on it pretty thick in October and November, hopefully. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, as far as the, like the tools and stuff go, you you mentioned needing a pump, but you know, like what else, I mean, like, what else kind of do you need to do do project like that? I mean, like here I am, I see a cattle pond. I want to do something like you're doing. Like what, what tools do I need to have handy? I mean, literally all it is, is the ability to take water off with, with the Japanese mill. And this varies from plant to plant, you know, some stuff you, you couldn't do this with. You can't just throw corn out around the edge of a pond and expect it to really do well. Um, this mill is kind of unique in the ability to grow really well in some um, typically unfavorable habitats, but 
basically if like if you're just doing this on a cattle pond you didn't have any old water control device like we had on it which probably wouldn't be typical on most little farm ponds that you would find like in virginia um literally just do what we did with the pump maybe get a bigger pump so it would take a little bit less and then however much millet you want to plant and then literally as soon i'd say maybe a day or right pretty much right after you take the water off you can broadcast and i would just make sure you don't have a rain coming like that afternoon or a day after because you don't want this millet to get flooded right when it's germinating it can take water once it's emerged and it can basically take water up to the point where it can't be completely covered if it's like 70 percent covered it's supposed to still live as long as it has green above the water but um you do need to at least have the ability to keep the water off until it starts to get going as well <laughs> all right any save rounds from the crowd out there i'm gonna say i'd, I'd heard of people broadcasting in like one or two inches of water the, the seed floats, so it won't germinate if you broadcast it in water. But let's say right. you know you're going to have a dry week and you broadcast it in that one to two inches of water and you know that's going to evaporate off, then that'll literally just fall down. It'll evaporate onto that mud flat and then germinate on that mud flat. So that's another thing you can do. We literally, like when I was broadcasting it, some of it was getting washed off into the pond and almost all that has floated down to our dam and then um, germinated along the edge of our dam and given us some extra millet. So, you know, have you given any consideration about like how soon you can, or like how late you can plant something like this before it starts running the risk of like baiting being a question? So, yeah. Well, the thing with this stuff is you can't manipulate it in any way. So let's say you did a drawdown on a pond and you had some natural smart weed come up. You can take your four wheeler out there and you can knock over that smart weed and make it more accessible to these ducks. With this millet, because we planted it, all we can do is flood it. All we can do is control the water level and try to basically um, bring the water up at the right time so that the seed will be accessible to the ducks. But in terms of baiting, I mean, yeah, if you planted it in late August, you in Virginia, the law is you can't have any of the feed out within 10 days of when you hunt it. So you can legally throw corn on a pond in September. And as long as you don't hunt it till November, that's cool as long as all the corn's gone. Um, so I would definitely say, you know, it depends on when you want to hunt it. For us, this is mainly a duck spot. Uh, so we can really plan all the way up until like late August is what they is what I've heard. Late August is pretty much late August up till about Labor Day is about as late as you can plant this millet in the more southern areas of the U.S. You know, um, Virginia, maybe a place like Kansas, Arkansas, something like that. If you got up in Minnesota or, or somewhere up north, you're going to have to plant it earlier. Yeah, if you want to, if you want a really good breakdown of that, episode twenty of this year foul front podcast had tony vandemore on there talking about habitat management and he gets into a lot of that uh manipulation and um, kind of the rules and do's and don'ts so but you can also check yep. out uh, so, thomas has videos out there of him doing it too yeah so i've been doing a whole you i'm gonna, planning on doing a whole youtube series with this millet pond we've already done part one and two so basically showed the planning process and then we did a one month update and we did a little bit more planning this past weekend so uh, i'm gonna try to get at least four or five parts of this series and then hopefully get some successful hunts out there as well and those will all be posted on youtube and I, i've i've watched these episodes and they are awesome he 
his drone footage, your drone footage, Thomas, that's just so cool to be able to like see that area from a bird's eye view. Yeah, it's super cool to see it from the top because it's like it's a completely different perspective looking at it from overhead from a duck's perspective versus looking at it from, you know, in the blind or at water level. That's that's cool. Yeah, you guys should go, you know, for those of you that have, you know, maybe maybe access to a pond like this that you can manipulate the water levels to or, or you know, could be a great way to create a honey hole for yourself that, um, you know, really gets get some action. You get to reap those rewards. And I'm, I'm going to go check these videos out now. I'm kind of anxious to see and, and, and follow it a little bit over the season because I've never really thought about planting. You know, I've always heard, you know, like you always see people plant for dove fields. You don't watch. You don't watch your co-hosts videos every week. Uh, man, I don't watch a lot of things on, on YouTube and, and stuff. Sorry. Well, I'll, uh, you know, I do, I do watch it. I'm just not a very, I'm sorry. I'm not a regular Ben. You and I have had this conversation. You got me on Instagram, right? I mean, this was like six, eight months ago. So I know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a better I'm, friend though. I I've been watching their videos. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not going to make any excuses, but I will watch them. Like I will get into this again. Don't you worry. So, and also okay. this is, this isn't only like a, a pond project you can do just this past Monday. Um, a buddy of mine hit me up and uh, wanted to try something similar on a beaver swamp that he has. So basically it's just a Creek that's dammed up into a beaver pond and it holds water throughout most of the year. So, uh, you have some kind of somewhat okay food sources but they're not ideal so uh we're we knocked a couple holes in this beaver dam on monday and we're going back tomorrow to hopefully plant millet in there which i would be a little bit more careful in a swamp because a lot of our swamps around here do have some really good food sources you have duckweed which needs water to survive so you know if you have duckweed in your swamp i wouldn't drain it off to plant millet necessarily um i would definitely assess your your natural food sources and then decide what to do but this is uh, swamp that doesn't have a ton to offer currently so we're going to try and beef it up a little bit so i'm really just trying to also learn like how to do this in different environments i would love to learn how to plant stuff in a tidal marsh or whatever it may be because um, it seems like the the missing factor a lot of times in virginia waterfowl is food people always say this is a flyover state so i figure if i can you know um fix that issue a little bit i might as well try yeah, yeah. So I've had, you know, tidal marshes are kind of unique to um, some of the states along the coast. You know, not everybody gets to hunt them. Uh, but the thing with them is there's not a ton of food available in them. A lot of times what you see is birds feeding in these little tidal creeks as the tide drops and they're eating snails and such. So I don't know how, how much carbohydrates there really are available in these and something like millet really probably wouldn't work in a tidal creek because the seed floats. So uh, your seed head would drop in the first outgoing tide you'd had, you'd lose all your seed. But maybe something like a rice, I was thinking, because that should sink to the bottom. Um, something, you know, I've heard of people planting wild celery and tidal in marshes in Virginia. So uh, just kind of trying to learn as much about habitat management as I can, uh, kind of got the, the bug right now for it. So I'm learning new stuff every day. It seems like. No, it's, that's a, it's a big part of, you know, it's a big part of the outdoor, like hunting, especially is the habitat management. You see it, you know, we always, I think when I think of habitat management, a lot of you, like I think of deer hunting, you know, a lot of people with their food plots and things of that nature. And I've gotten a little more familiar with it in the waterfowl front, but 
you know, like we were alluding to earlier about the invasive species and the laws, like you, you really do have to do a little bit, you know, so for those of you, if like free listeners out there, like I wouldn't recommend like running down to the co-op, buying a bag of seed and throwing it in your local waterway and hoping to bring some ducks in, you know, you really have to pay a little bit more attention to some of the local laws, your state laws about like where you're planting the baiting. And it's not just the, the baiting part of it, but it's also the species you can plant and where and whether you could do it on public land um, and then what constitutes, you know, what, what regulations are could go with that, you know? So I'll just kind of put that out as a disclaimer because habitat management, while super important to the hobby and can build cool spots, you know, like what Thomas is talking about, um, you know, I definitely don't want anybody out there getting in trouble because you went and, and, and tried to do some habitat management. It turns out there's some laws against it. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any pylons to that or not, but I've just seen it a lot in the, the game regulations and things of that nature. Matt probably has yeah weigh in on that too. Yeah, I know there's, can you guys hear me? Just make sure. But Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I think it's a, uh, like you can't change whatever, like the flow of a water pattern uh, or like a waterway or something, uh, the natural conveyance or something without, you have to have the right authorities permissions. And I can't even off the top of my head name who those are. Um, but like you can't you can't just go to a, a creek and dam it up, or you can't just straighten out a straighten out a creek, or you know, you can't even really just put a dam up between two hills. You've got to you've got to get the right permissions on that. And I, I know there's been some instances in Nebraska where that has not happened, and basically you got to either pay a bunch of money to get it done right or tear it out. Hmm. I don't think, I wonder if there's any laws about uh, trapping and transporting a beaver to your property, though. <laughs> there's I'm a loophole. Saying, there, right? <laughs> only, only two things that can build wetlands in North America is a beaver and a, and a human. So, bulldozer. If I'm going to, if he can do it for me for free, I'm going to let him. Yeah, you know, another, I mean, this is kind of going a little bit further down the rabbit hole here, but, um, you know, water rights are another big thing. You talk about pumping water and things of that nature. I know that in Texas, um, where I would go and hunt, I uh, did a couple of early teal hunts. They talked a lot about having to get the permission to pump the water onto their property uh, out of like public waterways. And, and when I say public waterways, like I'm not talking like a giant river or something, but, you know, if you're going to take you know, water off a creek that's common irrigation for farms around. That's something to consider as well if you're looking into some habitat management. They're, I, they're just the point here is there's a little bit more to waterfowl habitat management than there is to, I think, like seeding your food plot, you know, um, to get that point across. Sweet. Cool. Any other uh, reattacks on Thomas before we move on? No, ben. I think we covered pretty much everything with mine cool ben man yours is intriguing to me because it says boat in it what's your project <laughs> yeah i, I knew <laughs> i was giving you crap about you always sending me pictures of boats and gonna do this do that and for the most part i'm like by and large just entertaining you for your friendship that's about it <laughs> um but so i've got my low profile uh 14 foot boat blind. Uh, I got to get it registered. I'm thinking about doing the, the following things. So I got a little six horsepower, like 1927 Johnson motor um, that I might replace the current trolling motor on it um, with that. But if I put the six horsepower out, 
uh, on, I'm going to need to like change the back end of the blind. And I'll, I'll, at that point, I'll probably need to get a trailer because it's just not going to, not going to install that six horsepower motor every single time. But I, I am thinking about getting a trailer anyways, but I like the fact that I can basically three dudes can haul this 14 foot boat blind, um, with, with a decent amount of stuff in it, like a hundred yards through the woods. Uh, but that you don't want to take it any further than that. It becomes a pretty big chore. Uh, but still thinking about getting a trailer anyways, just so I can make it easy. But yeah, so I'm thinking about doing that. Um, I am going to add some internal, uh, creature comforts into it, you know, an ammo box, uh, or ammo boxes. Cause I, I don't know if you guys have seen this boat. Um, but Basically, I took two of those HTR, um, oh, the little, the field mats, um, and I put them in, you know, on the bottom and it's about perfect for two six foot dudes to be able to lay down, um, in, inside the boat and pop up and shoot. And all said and done, you're about, oh, 18 inches above the water line is all, all the more your, your boat sticks out of the water. So that's pretty nice. Um, so I'm going to put some ammo boxes in it, some cup holders, like a food thing. And, and then like a, the, the biggest problem I had last year with it is like when you got to pee, you got to stand up and like really like lean out over it. So you don't pee on the, the brush. So I'm, I'm thinking about making a little, uh, make a little pee spot on it. So. And just get a 44 ounce, just get a 44 ounce cup from the old, uh, the old stop and go. That solves that problem real fast. <laughs> like like a uh are you thinking like a, a water bottle because that's not gonna work yeah no i'm thinking about like a you know like a giant cup that's what i keep you know like clients so I, all right well hold on hold on I, before you say that you know i do have a i as you said that my grandpa when we were when we were little when we were fishing he had a pea bucket and yes. he said that uh 90 uh nine out of ten um, fishermen that are found in the, in the water drowned, have their fly down. Yeah, man. Now I know he was just saying, I know he was just saying that. No, I watched a dude fall in the river, shad fishing in Charleston, South Carolina on the Santee Cooper river doing that in the dead of winter. Like he could have drowned. Like that's not a joke that like it's, it's the most asinine thing in the world, but that that's real life. So especially know. when you got them, got them waders on, man. Yeah. Like, and, and you're talking about a 14 foot John boat, man. That can't, it can't be the most stable boat in the world. You got to stand I mean, up, can, manipulate all the clothes. Like I can, I can, well, see the thing is, is so when you stand up in the boat, um, right above my knees is where the, the two, the two parallel bars, they run, they run parallel to the, the boat. Um, but I can't like, I could very easily, touch both of those bars with my with the top of my knees um so like when you need to get up i can just hold on to that it's pretty stable like i can stand up in there like i'm not doing it on a choppy day in fact i don't take that thing out in weather anyways and it's a shore hugger we don't we don't even cut across i know if i can't stand in it um i don't really take it unless i'm going to be around some trees or or uh, know where I can self-save or if I've got plenty of dudes, especially if we have another kayak. But um, yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe I'll just get a pee bucket. But still, yeah, like, but still, if I want to 
then dip the pee bucket. This is a lot of time spent on uh, peeing out of a boat, but it's a real problem. Real if, problem. If I want to then do that, I still have to lean all the way over the boat. So maybe what I'm saying is, is I need to make like a flap so that you can like reach out of the blind, like into the water, which I think would be actually pretty nice for decoy collection anyways, because right now what it is decoy collection is, is I'll be driving the boat. And then the, the front dude, he leans way out over the boat through these. It's kind of hard to explain. I took culvert, um, not culvert, um, window well, plastic window wells. Um, and those, there's three of those that I attach the bars to. So he leans out in front of it and he just grabs the decoys and it takes a while. Um, but the, the, you generally have to be hunting with somebody uh, who's in a kayak with you, which leads me to the, the next thing that I'm going to be doing is, is last year we just had the kayak. Um, he would just, you know, tuck up right next to the boat and kind of hold on. But I'm going to create like a little kayak dock in the front of it or, or the back of it. I haven't decided yet. Probably the front because the, the, the motor will be there. So where the guy in the kayak can have the afforded stability of like hooking the kayak up or being able to stabilize off of the, the boat and not have to worry about floating out and can also then utilize um, a little bit of extra cover that I can put up front so um, that they can have uh, a little bit more concealment because last year it was like the kayak guy had to be like tucked into like a treetop or like some brush that was right next to us. So, well, so like I'll, I'll add two things for the listeners on that one that it is a real problem. If you're going to hunt out of a boat, you know, if you, especially if you're bringing thermoses of coffee, the pea bucket is a viable option. And I've always used, like I said, the stop and go, cup from wherever or cut off the top of a Gatorade bottle for the ladies in the audience. There is a thing out on Amazon um, that works pretty well for that. That is actually used for pilots that oh, fly across. Dude. Yeah. One of my, one of my coworkers, um, one of, one of the, uh, sh- she used one of those out when we were out in the field. Weird. It's called, weirdest a, thing I've seen. It's called, it's called a she, we, <laughs> and I know that because my, I, I, I know that because my wife, when she goes hunting with me and we hunted out of the boat, uh, you know, this is a real problem. And Hold on, is Kelly going to be like a little upset that you've talked about this on, on here? No, absolutely okay. not. In fact, she would probably want me to tell people about it. So we don't run through the problems that uh, we did when we were trying to figure out how to solve this in the field. So check it out. It's on Amazon. You can actually get it from pilot shops. They use it for, uh, for, for pilots going cross country and like Cessnas and things like that, but it works just as good in a duck blind. It works just as good in the tree stand. So um, it might solve a solution. Yeah. It might solve a problem for you that, that you never, well, that you knew you had, but you never wanted to talk about. So we've this never been afraid of brought to you by Shiwi. Hey, we have not been afraid of uh, tackling these things on the foul foot in the past. Look how much better we're getting at our advertisements. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) We've had Uh, like six in here. I I did get an offer. I I I was going to mention that right now. Jeez, I don't know if that's the most professional thing. Okay. (laughs) An offer for what, man? Hold on. Stop. That's something kind of vague. Okay, is it well, is it funny? Is it entertainable? I don't know. It's funny. Also, I gotta I gotta throw in. I thought uh, I thought this whole boat thing was what bilge pumps were for. Oh come on! 
You know what? You go put your blood, sweat, and tears in renovating a boat, and then you tell your buddy to relieve himself inside of it. We'll see how you feel about a build. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, get us back wildly <laughs> on track here. Um, ben, Hold on. I want to know. If, I want to know if Matt is what's Matt. Is it something? See if you can guess this. Text okay. me what it is, Matt. We'll, we'll... <laughs> All right. You'll have to cut Text a bunch me. of stuff out. I'm not cutting anything. Just you guys hear it already. Live. All right. <laughs> yep. Uh, All right. Go get us back on track, Alex. What were we talking about? All right. Well, I was gonna, you know, you mentioned that six horsepower motor versus the trolling motor. Have, have you put like, what's the weight capacity on this boat you're talking about? Like with the blind and everything on, have you kind of figured any of that up from a safety perspective? Oh yeah. Yep. I, I had to actually go get one of those plate things made for it. So oh. that it was, I, I, cause I went above and beyond on this and I did the weight calculations and then, or it's not actually a real plate. It's just a sticker or whatever. But, um, I, I heard that you had to have one of those. I subsequently was told that, um, they just do the calculations, but it is a two man. Um, well it, it, it's, it could have three people on it if you look at it, but with gear, I I'm it's a two man and the blind is not heavy at all. It's, three pieces of plastic, two pieces of conduit, and maybe six or seven pounds of um, vegetation on each side. And, and the vegetation is, is, is really just um, palm tree leaves that they actually look really good um, out in the marsh. So um, I don't know. Did you have anything else on that? Because the six horsepower, I mean, what I was going to say is like a lot of people, when you look at like putting an outboard versus a trolling motor, what people don't put it into, like, especially on a boat, like a 14 foot, you know, 1436, um, guys, it's real easy to get close to weight limits with those boats. You know, when you really look at the plate, like Ben was saying, and when you start talking about putting an outboard versus a trolling motor, what a lot of people don't factor in what the trolling motor is the weight of the battery that's required to get you what you want to do out of it. And, and sometimes it is more efficient to go with an outboard motor because the weight of the outboard with a gas tank is lighter than that of a trolling motor with the comparable battery that you need. Um, the mine's not. So it's, this thing's made out of like an old Sherman tank. <laughs> it's like the diesel engine like out of the tank itself uh yeah. I, I mean it's just it's it's food for thought you know when you're going down the road because you know for those of you running a deep cycle battery if you've never taken one out and weighed it or considered it i mean those things weigh 50 60 80 pounds depending on the model you get how big um and that's a real weight factor on a 14 foot boat you know when you start thinking about winter duck hunting weight and, and, you know, Ben and I, you know, we did that safety episode back in November. I can't emphasize it enough because people don't think about some of those parts when they're doing these renovations and boats are very particular about it, especially when you get down in um, the kind of boats that you're going to want to take and be more nimble and more concealable, like 14 footers. So uh, I, it sounds I like you no, I have no aspirations for this thing to go faster than like seven miles an hour. And that's just about what the trolling motor does um how many knots is that and, and that's fine for me uh that is two and a half knots i have no clue matt i'm not a knot guy <laughs> all right going back to um it's kind of we're going to kind of bring this circular real quick going back on the the peeing thing matt go ahead and <laughs> i just got your text message and i don't know what i'm looking at i'm gonna I, no i'm gonna try to make it do it hold on Hold on. No, you're doing it. This is your idea. 
So I'm let's do it in a manner that like if a kid was in the car, they would not know what we're talking about. However, like kind of like a Disney movie. Okay, so you know there's I mean? a new call company out. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure Thomas knows what I'm talking about already. But uh, there's a new call company out called CNB Calls, and it uh, they look like a rocket ship. They they're they're a rocket ship shaped call. I don't know how they sound, but uh, yeah, they're, they're they're a new product and <laughs> rocket shape is what rocket you came up ship. with. <laughs> there there's a, there's an entire like three minute segment about this on an Austin Powers movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, there's there's their first ad. I mean, if they want to run like TV or YouTube ads, so does this does this is, this is legit? Does it is it actually a duck it's, call? it's an actual call? I I haven't seen any reviews on it, so I don't know how it actually sounds. But uh, yeah, it I don't know. We can get you one and see how how it works. I uh, I'm good. I'm good. There's ar- uh, there's already a few headed headed math. No, play, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Matt said if I buy enough his lanyard on opening day of teal season will be completely nope. covered in them nope you'll probably get kicked off YouTube <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I don't understand how something like this is viable but anyway <laughs> now that we've come um, actually they have a website I, yeah legit. I told you it's an actual I know I'm, I'm looking at it I'm looking at it right company. now I'm, I'm looking at it I, I know which is mind-boggling to me right now. So I, I guess we're we're you know, where are they bringing in the gear. You know, the gear review uh, magazines are coming out here soon. This might be in them. Who knows? Kind of a sneak peek. They have <laughs> they have videos. They have videos. Hold on. <laughs> we're wild. That's what we need. We, we need like a Playboy for water. Hi everyone, this is Patrick from CMB Duck Calls. Uh, with all the negativity going around with the coronavirus, we thought it was important to go ahead and try to bring some laughs and some smiles to people's faces. So we wanted to go ahead and give you a sneak peek of our call today. I'm going to show it off a little bit. Uh, quick note that parental discretion is advised, <laughs> uh, but let's talk about the call a little bit. Uh, right. Calls, we're a call company that focuses wow. on... Wow, I'm going to... I'm gonna. Wow. So I guess they're coming at it from like a good place. Yeah. Here, I think he's going to sure. blow on it. No way. <laughs> oh, that sounded terrible. All right. Well, no, nothing. he didn't call. He didn't call on it. We don't so know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, we are okay. right. wildly departing. Um, ben, ammo boxes, pee bucket, figuring out the motor trailer. Sounds like you need to do that. <laughs> what are your ideas on the trailer? Dude, I'm just going to get like a flatbed a trailer, part. just a little tiny flatbed trailer. That way I can use it for dude, just back it right up. It doesn't dude, it's a fourteen foot flat boat like flat bottom boat. I don't no, check out the check out, No, check out the Harbor Freight folding trailer, the folding cargo trailer. It's like two hundred and thirty bucks. I built this one episode once. brought to you by Harbor Freight. Okay. <laughs> let's let's get off this boat thing. I, I have two more things I want to talk about, and I've been spending like thirty minutes on this one and some weird <laughs> duck, duck calls. Um sure. Duck calls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What else do you have, Ben? What's your next project, Ben? <laughs> what? So, what's your next project, Ben? Oh, uh, well, is it okay? You know what? I started this show. I can talk about whatever I want. 
I lost my deer permission. So I, I, I didn't lose it to any fault of my own. In fact, both of my deer permissions I lost. I have one in Kansas and one in Nebraska, and I'm an idiot. Uh, the one in Kansas, I, I didn't realize state hunters had to do a lottery, and the lottery was like the week I was moving. So uh-huh. I'm dumb. Uh-huh. Really dumb. And I, I, and I don't know. I don't think they were – I don't think – well, it wouldn't have mattered anyways because I wouldn't have been a resident. I would have been a resident at the time I bought it, but not when I was hunting it. So well, <sighs> so that sucks. But I can get it. In a, it's I'll, not I'll like be there next year. It's known for big deer. Um, and then I had another – no. <laughs> no. Uh, but then my deer permission that I had for this year, um, I, I, I walked in there um, and I saw another trail cam. And I – uh, like a salt lick. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. I, I didn't, he said that he had a, a, maybe another hunter um, that he'd have to call so that we could work things out. And then um, I, so I called the the landowner, um, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And then I, I think turns out this guy uh, leased, oh. leased it as soon as he, as he found out that I was on it. So I'm going to be a public land hunter this year. And um, Matt, our buddy Jackson. Oh yeah. Um, as I was, as I was like stressed out, cause it's like, dude, it's, we're, we're a month out, month and a couple days from the archery opener here in yeah. Nebraska. So I was a little stressed out and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go public land this year, which I've always said. I like, I try to keep the public land, um, for people that aren't as good at getting permission. And apparently that's me now. So, um, <laughs> So our buddy Jackson, as I was, as I was looking at like, dang, the only places I would really hunt, um, it's a little bit of a drive for me and uh, it's a place I'm pretty confident that I can go further than, than other people are probably willing to. And so he convinced me instead of hauling in, uh, tree stands and stuff like that, I'm, I bought a saddle today, um, from tethered. So I bought a tree saddle. So that's supposed to be getting here in the, like the next week and a half. So, and I also get my bow back on August 1st from the shop. Uh, so I got, I'll be putting some practice in um, here at the, the end of um, July, mid August. So, and then, so that's all compounded by the fact that I'm kind of injured right now. And I have my physical therapist is working with me on being able to shoot what kind my of bow. You got Ben. That's fun. Uh, Matthew's okay. reason 7.0 from like 2000. Okay. I just wanted the listeners to know. So, if, you know, there's Hoyt guys out there. Just give Ben a hard time. Uh, <laughs> give, give him some more. Like, things, yeah. Like, cool. I did. Uh, I did a pretty like, I did a pretty like uh, pretty boy move and I got uh, orange and black strings for the bow for cool guy points. So it's getting restrung right now because I had a little, and I'm getting a new cam because I had a little incident last year when I shot my deer. It smacked the uh, the, the 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 what do you what do you call it? the cheater bar, the thing you can lean out on against on your stands. Yeah, I was leaned back a little bit, and when my when I shot my cam came back around and whipped oh. that thing pretty good. So that's fun. Well, I am also a Matthews guy, but you know we won't <laughs> go there right now. Before we get too far off this, uh, this too segment. far off the brought to you. <laughs> yeah. right now. All right, yeah, so far. 
okay. all right, cool. That's the last time I get to make that joke. Cut me, just kick me off the con if I say that again. So, um, <laughs> next project yeah. for you, Ben. You're talking just about building brownie. Build- what? No, like, what's your next project here? So you get your deer permission. Are, are we are we past the deer permission, or do you still have more on that one? No, no, I'm just a public right. hunter now. <laughs> Maybe I'll work on it next year. So, but um, right. other than that, just building some brownie points right now to uh, keep the garage clean. Let my wife do a bunch of stuff with her friends at being socially distant, of course. Just pool days and stuff uh so yeah looks like i'll be getting pretty serious in the woods in the marsh this year so i need to up my husband game my dad game so cool all right that's all i got well um i guess that just leaves my project here then um so oh god this this segment's gonna be even longer than mine was <laughs> I'll, you know, I'm going to try to keep this short. So for everybody out there in the foul front outdoors, you know, one of the big parts of this episode is we are, uh, as I alluded to at the beginning, introducing a new part of uh, the se- of the show called the chop shop, where basically we, i take a project that I've done on, on something, you know, and it has been like Ben has mentioned before, it has been a little bit boat centric, but I'm hoping that my horizons are going to get expanded a little bit here in Northern Virginia, because this, the hunting here is a little bit different than the hunting that I'm used to. But I will start off with the Chop Shop episode on this one on. I did get a new boat, like I mentioned to you guys earlier, a 2060 uh, that I got, a 2060 Go Devil. And one of the things that I noticed right off the bat was the wiring on it. So, um, you know, the the Go Devils generally will come with some kind of wiring, nav lights, things of that nature. You guys will run across that with boats you might pick up used. A lot of them will be wired for nav lights, especially if they were formerly purposed for fishing. And this boat that I got, I, uh, I cracked the wiring open on it because I wanted to, it's one of the first parts I evaluate from a safety perspective. Um, because I think that if you're ever having electrical issues, you know, all the way from starting your engine, you know, if you've had a starter wire, uh, logged in or, or wired in or switch boxes and things of that nature, wiring is definitely a point of failure, uh, bilge pumps, like we've mentioned before in a context different than what they're actually used for, but bilge pumps being pretty, pretty important for, if you're going to cross any kind of open water or find yourself in a place where you might have to get some water out of the boat quick and wiring is pretty important. So I always start there. And plus I'm super scared of electricity. And and on this particular boat, I pulled up uh, a piece of wire from a switch and it had three different colors spliced into it. Please tell me none of you guys are guilty of doing that. Nope. Are are you (laughs) like, tell me you you don't do that. I will be. I've literally never wired anything in my life. Yeah, so this guy, the boat that I bought it, the guy that I bought it from, he had a bilge pump. It was busted. It needed to be replaced. So I pulled the bilge. And, and that's one of the things that I kind of assess from the beginning is what's the wiring? And I, I pull the bilge pump off, and there's three different colors spliced together in that thing. And it's like bird nested in. But he had it really pretty, like, crimped together, so it didn't look that way. But it would be a nightmare if you were, feel, like, trying to repair that field. It sounds like Ben. Who's laughing over there? Ben, you all right? Dying. Ben, what's up? <laughs> I'm, I'm watching the CNB duck call demo. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Continue, Alex. Oh, <laughs> wow! This really just <laughs> took a dark turn. Anyway, <laughs> just all. 
I'm sorry, my wiring <laughs> segment's so boring. <laughs> you want to impress your friends out there in the double line, not embarrass yourself. So practice when you get this. Give it some love. Hold on. Is so, it? I, hold on. <laughs> Nobody. Show it some love, and you're good to go. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold on, right. go ahead, Alex. I'm gonna step away for a second. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and I think this is the first time in South Front podcast history we've had a, a host have to step away from a video segment. But anyways, um, so. I, uh, I I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm just. I got it muted right now. So. <laughs> God, I'm so glad I'm not involved in the production of this anymore. You get some real. I was, you. <laughs> I was gonna say, Ben's got his work cut out for me. Um. Anyways, I'm not editing anything out. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Back to boats. <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff's lost control. Why? Why were you? Uh, why do you want to look at that wiring, Alex? What's Mo- your main well, reasoning behind that? Mostly because if I ever have to make a field repair on something, like if, uh, like, and and really when you think about wiring, like lights in the morning, if you're using those to get to your spot and they're not working, I want to be able to quickly and efficiently get to what that problem might be. So I I usually start with the wiring infrastructure, the switches and stuff like that. And so when I buy a boat, that's something I I look at because nothing will ruin your hunt faster if you can't see where you're going or you need to get to a spot and that's what you rely on. So for me, that's where it went. And yeah, when I started pulling wires out of this thing and I saw like three different colors, you know, all spliced together, I'm like, that's not a way to do business. So uh, dug a little bit deeper, found all kinds of problems. And there does reach a point where it's just more efficient to start over again. And that's, and that's what I did. So my budget was pretty much cheap as cheap as possible. Um, I did want to put a switch box in this. So I'll kind of roll this into my unique innovations. I did want to put a switch box that I can move around. So a lot of switch boxes you see will be fixed on a boat, like either in a, in a side and that works just fine, but I wanted something, my boat's got a polling platform. I wanted a switch box that I could potentially move back and forth. So I thought I put some thought into it and developed a, of this, this box basically that the panels mounted to that has Ram mounts on it and then flexible conduit that comes off of it. That lets me move, move it around the boat or at least reposition it. So I, uh, I started with that and then I just started, I ran new wires. I fished new wires all the way through. I got from AutoZone for, you know, a few bucks and nothing crazy. I got my switch panel from Amazon. Um, I got enough wire to do the led lights, my nav lights. I had to put a new nav light plug in and then the bilge pumps, obviously. So, so basic tools I used, uh, I got a wire fish and you can pick those up pretty cheap off Amazon. You don't need anything fancy, uh, electrical tools. Most people have around crimpers, things of that nature, uh, the cutters, wire cutters, but it, most crimpers, if you go, you could get an inexpensive kit from home Depot for maybe 15 or 20 bucks that has crimpers and some of the basic ones. I will say that I did use the waterproof, you know, and I, I'm, I'm using air quotes here, the splices and whatnot. Um, and that was where I really started looking at it from. This will give me a good foundation to expand on. So like right now, my boat just has the nav lights in the front LEDs. But I've always put interior LEDs. I found that you really can't, especially when you're loading gear into a boat or trying to get settled in a blind or things like that. You never can have too much light. 
um, unless it's seriously blinding. But I usually put LEDs, like green LED lights on the inside. And so I like to leave some good room for expansion. And so by putting in the new wiring, it gives you a good foundation for that. And so um, as far as where I did it, I did this in my storage unit at the time, but you've, you could do this in your front garage. The best part about putting new wiring in is that you don't have to have a large block of time set aside. So I don't know if any of you guys have ever painted a boat or, or anything like that or painted, you know, like sometimes there's projects there, there's not very good stopping points that you just need to have an afternoon to go do. Well, wiring's not one of those. Like you can really go out and put an hour into it and have a good stop point and, um, and move along. So um, I did this out of my storage unit. I've done it in the apartment, you know, driveway or out in the, out in front of my buildings before. And it's not a real big deal, but yeah, that's, that's what I, that, that was my big kind of project when I first got this boat, looked at it, kind of ran it all the ground. And, um, you know, as far as a unique innovation, um, the new switch box with the Ram mount, I'll put some pictures of that up on the foul front group so you guys can see it, but real simple project. I, I welded it together. Um, and then I just put Ram mounts that I picked up at Bass Pro on it so it could be repositioned and then painted it. And as far as the cost, you know, it depends on the tools you purchase. Um, I'd say material wise, 50 bucks for this. So the switch panel on the wires, you know, if you need to get any special tools, I'd say that most of the things that most of the tools you can get for doing a project like this are what I would consider to be just good investments. If you're ever going to have this in the future, you know, a basic wiring set um, from, you know, any of the home supply stores, like I said, 15, 25 bucks. Um, and you could just put that in your toolkit and use it along. So yeah, you guys, uh, have you guys ever done anything like that? You said you've never messed with wiring at all before, but um, I consider it to be kind of fundamental to, to boats. And it's usually where I see a lot of problems spring up too. I was thinking about doing like little led strips for my kayak. Those are a little bit simpler. I think they just take like a, uh, what is it? The big, like the things that your feeders run off of those batteries. Yeah. 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 12 volt. Yeah. Get 12 12, volt. Well, yeah. There you go. Which all of my stuff runs off the 12 volt deep cycle. So I, you know, like Ben, for example, in your boat, you could put a 12 volt deep cycle that would run a trolling motor and all your LEDs uh, because LEDs, they don't draw like hardly anything. You know, they're, they're very, oh, yeah, no, they're I, was very talking, I was talking about for my kayak because, um, you know, they have those like little, uh, the little strips that you can get. Yeah. yeah. And it just, I mean, the battery that I'm talking about, like fits in the, the fits in my hand. Yeah. No, I mean, you could definitely put those, you could definitely put those in a, in a kayak and wire those in. Um, and that's, that's a real simple, like that's less than an hour, like to put something like that on your kayak. So, um, you know, the batteries and things of that nature. Whoa. Wait, do we have another interruption from CMB here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm fine. But I'm fine. We're, we're, we're all good here. Um, but yeah, either way, that was, that was kind of my big, my big project. And so, yeah, you guys have any uh, pylons, save rounds for that before we close this out? Have you been able to get the boat out on the Potomac yet at all? No, man. I dropped it off last week, and I'm hoping to go do some bow fishing this weekend. So if you want to come up for that, let me know. Mm, uh, yeah, I might have to take you up on that. I need some uh, fresh videos, so wouldn't be yeah. wouldn't mind switching it up. Yeah, come on up. I, I I dropped the boat off up there at Widewater, and it's uh, it's it's ready to to get out. And I, I wanted to take it out in Tennessee, but I didn't get a chance to. 
was working on some shop projects there, but no, it's, I got the bow fishing deck on it, my generator and everything on there. So try to kill some of these dog days. And from what I hear, the snakehead up here is like a really viable target to go after. So yeah, I, let's do a snakehead catching cook. Come on up, man. Let me know. I'm here all weekend. All right. Um, other than that, you guys have any other save rounds before I close this thing out? <laughs> ben, you done laughing over there? I am fine. <laughs> <laughs> you sound winded, Ben. <laughs> you watch some more of those videos. <laughs> He's been practicing for when he gets his own one. I okay, so <clears throat> one of my biggest pet peeves is when I get onto a podcast and all I hear is giggling and laughing like a lot. So <laughs> I apologize if anybody's still listening to this. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I, that was I have not I have not found something that funny in a in a long time. So I mean, oh, you kind of torpedoed my segment, yes. but that's cool. Uh, um, I think it'd be a hilarious episode, honestly. I don't know. I kind of want to. There you go. I guess we'll we'll put it to a poll. We'll let the people. I probably not going to (laughs) be. I'm probably not going to be able to. Yeah, I'm probably not going to be able to uh, be a part of it. Not not for any like taking myself too serious uh, purposes. Just I don't know if I could get through it. I don't. <laughs> oh, oh man! All right. Um, yeah, I, I well, got one thing I want to. Hold on, hold on. I got some time to make up here. Um, what what episodes? Uh, what podcasts have you guys been listening uh, to? Duck Gun or Buddy? Or I guess I'll open it up. Sorry. Uh, dang it. Now we see, I told Jordan, we weren't going to advertise him just so uh, we'll see there. They, they're actually, I charge them every right episode. Now. Um, so you're taking away them? viewership because me and Thomas always tune in. Oh, <laughs> it's all part of the plan. Um, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll open it up to any other content you've been watching. Cause is, there's a lot of this- content that's been coming out. Is this a um, hint that we're bringing back in the, the after action reports? I have so many people um, message me to continue back to doing them. My problem was is like I used to have um, like I'd have an hour of truck time. Uh, to and from work you know what i mean so i had a lot of podcast time to listen but now i'm i I work i work a lot but i don't drive as much because i I do i spend part of my time working from home part of my time working from the office and the the office is only a 15 minute commute for me so but i mean maybe if if the people want it yeah so i guess to answer your question uh actually thomas is probably who has been who i've been watching the most recently he's the uh, I guess Josh from Outdoor Limits, another one of our Flyways Collective members, uh, he's been putting out some some videos too. But there's really not a lot for waterfowl content out on YouTube right now. Um, I guess maybe the grind is starting to put videos out again. I haven't caught up to them in a while, but uh, yeah, I've been watching Thomas's progression on his millet pond and then his uh, 
I was really hoping he'd let me win that goose call. He did a giveaway last week, and I didn't win. Wow, oh, bummer. <laughs> didn't need you, him uh, flaring any. <laughs> um, <laughs> waterfowl content. I'm sorry. Dang. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm not a huge podcast listener, but I've been <laughs> only on a waterfowl podcast. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't drive a whole lot. Like when I when I drive, I listen to podcasts, but especially with uh, COVID going on, I haven't been driving much. Uh, but have been listening to the Big Honker podcast. Uh, and also listening to uh, Duck Farmer podcast as well. They have a it's a not many episodes out, but they had a bunch of different people on who know a bunch of stuff about habitat management. So I've been knocking out pretty much an episode from that every every day this week. Oh, awesome! That that'd be a good resource for to direct people to. Then, yep, I, I'm pretty sure the podcast name is the Duck Farmer. I will. Yeah, no, I've got I got it. I haven't listened to it at all, but it's in my rotation. I just haven't listened to it at all. So, yeah, our buddy Wade I've, Skeen, or my buddy Wade Skeen, I don't know if you guys know him well or not, but um, he was just on the Big Honker podcast. And then apparently mm-hmm. the Big Honker podcast is having on some like drug smuggler on. Uh, will be tuned by the time you guys now. are listening to this, I think this week. Or maybe it will. If you make aired. it to this. I, <laughs> hmm. I think it might have come out today. <laughs> That's true. No, I'll do some. I'll do some good show notes so that people can skip past all the egregiousness. Um, what else, Thomas? Uh yeah, not a whole lot. I've been focusing on my own videos lately. I just recently kind of uh, decided I was going to say I'm uploading three videos a week because that's the only way I hold myself to it. So I've just been focusing on that mainly. Gotcha, Alex. Uh, the only waterfowl content I've consumed in the last week or two has been the, the wildfowl, the gear, the gear edition, the magazine, as far as podcasts, like with, uh, Hey, you know, with this, with this new job and me relocating, I actually been able to like get re-caught up with events in the world for my primary job. So I, uh, you know, Ben and I, we were, jo- we were joking, like one of my, one of my jobs for this new place that I'm working is to start a podcast. So I've, uh, I've been kind of getting a little bit recaged in my, my primary job. So the waterfowl content, I will say, you know, they say it's taken a backseat. It's not totally true, but my content consumption has been mostly in like the, the magazines and things like that, that I can read sitting in the lobby or on the Metro on the, my way to work. So, um, the gear issue came out, I sent you guys that photo. So I, I went through that, which I, you know, I'm sure we'll do an episode of breakdown of it, but I, I gotta say, like, I, I don't know if it's the, the COVID stuff that's going on, but I didn't see a whole lot of like awe-inspiring things in that magazine. So, have, have any of you guys had an opportunity to look at it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's sitting I almost, upstairs. I gotta. I'd almost say save yourself the time. I mean, it's like it's there's not a lot of like crazy new things in there that make me go. You know, like Ben, you did that episode last year on you know the the the, the equipment breakdown and things that you saw in there you thought were cool. Yeah. I think we'd be hard pressed to do one this year. That was much different than that one. We'll just re-air that one. Yeah. Just, you could, I, I, I mean, 
And part of me makes, I was, I was talking with my wife about it, but I was like, I I don't know if, um, you know, maybe this year with the, with the COVID stuff going on, it it just kind of hampered some of that new, new stuff coming out because of, you know, for whatever reasons that are out there. But, um, yeah, that was, that was about the only content that I've looked at. Um, haven't listened to a whole lot of podcasts. I've had to been doing a little bit more reading on more boring things than waterfowl hunting, but that's for another time on another podcast that I'm starting at work. So. And that I'll, not none of that to be derogatory towards Wildfowl. It's a good publication. Oh, absolutely! It is a good publication. I was just, yeah, I, I was just, uh, I was like, man, I don't know. Yeah, no, you man, know like I'm, last, I'm, I'm smelling what you're stepping in. We're good. All right, so. cool. Well, yeah, that's where I'm at. Other than that, you know, uh, chop shop. I've stuff. been, Shocker. I've been listening to Meat Eater podcast. They've had a um, uh, last week. <laughs> hey man <laughs> I'm sorry I thought I was you here done? for comedic, re- comedic relief <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry tell us about your meat eater podcast okay well they had a, they had a really they had a good like person of color um, episode last week which I thought was I think is important right now um, other than that, um, the Year Mountain podcast just covered um, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act in, in depth. They had a pretty cool guest on last week too, or this week, last week when you guys listened to this. So um, at least I think the guy's pretty cool. Uh, the last two episodes from Year Mountain. So and then what else? Yeah, the the grind. Is it the grind? The yeah. I'm on the grind. The water. grind. Yeah. Um, Waterfowl TV. You probably, yeah, you guys probably don't. Oh, I guess yeah. the YouTubers, the vlogs, the vlog dudes probably don't. Uh, yeah, that's kind of your competition, huh? No, not really. We're two different styles the way I see it. Sure. And then Ben Warden's Watch podcast as well. That's about all I've been listening to. I already mentioned Big Honker, but yeah. And I won't talk about any of the deer stuff I've been listening to since that's not what people came here for. We've rambled on enough, I think. All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah. What do you say we wrap this thing up? Do do you think this may be the longest in uh, foul front history? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been a part of the foul front as long as Ben has, obviously. So, Ben, what do you think? No one has been a part of the foul front except, podcast as yeah. long as I have. Facts. Except Matt, who came up with the name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess technically Matt Matt has been. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see when we're done editing. All right. We'll call this a wrap. What's next? What's next week's episode going to be? Let's see what's what's going on next week. Yeah, well, we, we could talk about yet. the uh, what's that? The LWCF just passed today. Passed the bill, and Trump tweeted out his support. Heck yeah! We talk All right, about that. done. The ultimate right. troll move is if like, we'll find out next week it. on the foul front. Mm. Teaser. <laughs> I wanted. He was just trolling us. He's like, see, we should all work together. This was just an exercise in getting you all to 
I'm just kidding. He's going to pass that baby. Pass it. So Sweet. All right. That sounds like next week's topic. Nah, you guys ruined it. We can't talk about that now because people are not going to... People don't like... People like being like, oh, I wonder what they're going to put out next week. Not like... I guess maybe that's not true. I don't know. It's just the way we've always done it. Just bleep it out. Just bleep it out. We'll find out. Nah, we're good. (laughs) That's too much work. I can barely get this thing sounding good with all you guys. So... All right. All right, guys. Check out the Foul Front Facebook group. Foul Front. Is that it? Just it? The Foul Front. I can't talk. Foul Front Facebook group. Um, and I think that's it, right? There's no Instagram anymore or anything else. There's an yeah, Instagram. Is there? I thought it was. I thought it was your Instagram now. No. It just says Ben at Foul. I'll change it. I was doing some personal marketing. All right, we got Facebook. There's Instagram. Look for Chop Shop episodes in the future. We're gonna call. Wait, are Chop Shop episodes gonna be podcasts? Or are they gonna be? I'm just trying to drag it on. I'm sorry, I'm being a jerk. Yeah. We'll All talk right. about the Chop Shop format. Moving on. Ben, close this thing. Catch you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Group where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great, great grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. And if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.